Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Now let's welcome today's guest, John Corcoran. How are you, John? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I have a strange background because I started my career in politics. I known for having worked in the Clinton White House, which was an interesting experience. 23 years old, working in the White House. Wonderful experience. I'm glad that I did it. Um, went on, practiced law for a bunch of years. Started a podcast about 10 years ago, and I'm a huge, zealous advocate. I tell everyone I meet they should start a podcast. And about three or four years ago, started helping people with that, starting B2B, helping B2B businesses to use a podcast to get clients, referrals, strategic partnerships, and authors as well. And that's what we're talking about is how a podcast can really help benefit, can help you sell more books and get more exposure for your ideas. Great. Let's dig deeper into those ideas. A lot of our, our listeners are coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs uh, who, who either have books, uh, have written many books, or are just starting to write their first book and need a little bit of inspiration. But everyone comes back to me with the same question, like, how do I market my book once I write it? You know, And a lot of people are, don't finish their books because they don't have that marketing plan in place. How can a podcast help them with their marketing? Well, there's so many ways. It really, you know, a podcast is more than just content marketing. I think that's what I try and reinforce for people. It's, it's about relationship building. It, it can be a tool for getting greater referrals, for getting introductions to new people, for uh, personal and professional development. Um, you could use it to lay the groundwork for your next book by interviewing people for your next book and then doubling up and using it as content for your book or um, taking some recordings that you've done for your prior book and then repurposing them on a podcast because who wouldn't like that? Go back and check with the people that you've interviewed and say, hey, how about I take this even further and I publish it on a podcast? So there's many different ways that you can do that. Um, but in addition, they can get you – into conversation with people who you wouldn't otherwise get into conversation with because they're busy, you're busy, or whatever. When you reach out to someone, you say, I want to promote them, put them put them on a podcast, you can get exposure to additional people. And then that in itself can lead to further exposure for you, whether it's you do some kind of like webinar training or a speaking opportunity or you know a teleconference or something like that. And then that leads to you selling more books. So there's many ways in which you can leverage a podcast. Fantastic. How do you create those relationships? Great question. So you know, the, the podcast itself, you know, what people don't realize is that it, it breaks through the noise. You know, when, you know, if you're on LinkedIn or I'm sure you receive this on email, people are constantly soliciting. They're constantly reaching out and asking something of you. They're trying to pitch you. And we all know that doesn't work very well. The podcast is actually the opposite. Even if you don't have, even if you're just starting out, or if you don't have a big audience or anything like that, you're actually giving first. You're delivering value first rather than taking from the relationship, and so it's much more likely to break through the noise and get a response from the get-go. And that's no small feat. That's a big achievement just in itself. Reaching out to the types of busy, successful people that you should be connecting with. So there's that. And then once you get the response, once you get the interview, you actually do the interview, there's a lot of things you can do around it 
in order to take that relationship further, including looking for other ways in which there's synergies between your business and their business or your career and their career, ways in which you can support one another, all kinds of collaborations of, and other opportunities can be explored and can go further. That's been my experience over 10 years of doing a podcast. Some of the best relationships, the best referral partners, the best strategic partners, the best clients have initiated, the, 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 the relationships have started from a podcast and then it led to further opportunities beyond there. Fantastic. Can you give us some examples of, of things that you've done or things your clients have done to build those kinds of relationships and where those, what they blossomed into? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different ones. I'm actually recording an episode next week with a, a retrospective on looking back on everything from the last year. Cause you know, we're recording this in January of 2021 last year, we've been in this pandemic and, you know, in, in March of 2020, when everything was hitting the fan and we didn't know right up from down, we didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, people didn't know what to do. And for the first time in 10 years of doing a podcast, I decided right then and there that I would double my podcast output. You know, some people were putting their pot, podcasts on hold or they're saying, oh, I, I shouldn't do this right now. I said, no. I said, I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that doubling the number of relationships that I'm building and deepening that is going to lead to good things because we all know it's all about who you know. And when you double your relationships and build more relationships, that will lead to more things. And our business has grown substantially this year and in no small part due to that very decision. So that's what I say to do is use the podcast as a tool in order to double those relationships. I'll give you just one example. There's one person that I interviewed. I published this episode in April. I probably interviewed him in, in March or February or something like that. And after the conversation was over, so it's like a 30-minute conversation. After the conversation was over, he said, you know, I really enjoyed this. And this was me interviewing him on my podcast. He said, I really enjoyed this. Now that I know more about what you do, I actually have a referral for you. Can I make a referral? And I said, sure, absolutely. So he immediately goes on his email. He introduces me to a potential client. That's number one. Number two, he says, and by the way, do you have any like any sort of referral program or can I refer other clients to you? Because I think other clients of mine would be a good fit for you. I said, absolutely. We have a referral program. I'll send you the details. And that was point number two. Point number three, he said, and I also have people come in and they speak to my community from time to time. Would you like to come in sometime and talk and speak to my community? And I said, absolutely. Sounds great. I do that all the time. I'd be happy to do that. So it was like one, two, three. In the course of about five minutes after the podcast interview, we talked about three different ways in which we can collaborate. And by the way, it's, it's a two-way street because subsequent to that conversation, we have spent a lot of money uh, hiring that individual to do some coaching. We paid him for some coaching. We joined a community, the community that I was talking about that he, that he organizes. So it, what, we, what you will find with the podcast is that it, your, your list of clients, your list of referral partners will become virtually indistinguishable from your list of podcast guests if you do it right because it's such a tremendous tool for broadening your network and it's a tremendous tool for get you know deepening those relationships even further. So that's just one example, but it comes up all the time. I get I get emails from clients all the time that are talking about this great relationship or this great referral partner who they you know met through originally doing the podcast and other types of opportunities that came from it. Wonderful. You know, I, I've I've heard you on other podcasts and I've read your material, and you're a big believer in, I, I guess you call it the, your top 100 list or your... Dream 100, dream yeah. 100. yeah. Tell, tell us about that. 
it's a term you know that's been used by a lot of different people. Chet Holmes is credited with it. There's a lot of other people that have used that term. And you know, basically what it means is being very deliberate and intentional about the people who you want to build your, your relationships with. And you know we've gone from this society and just in the course of really the last 25 years or so where our relationships used to be the product of circumstance. So you didn't decide who was going to be part of your network. You were It happened to you. And what I mean by that is your network was comprised of people who happened to work in the same company or happened to decide to go to the same college as you at the same time or happened to buy a house on the same street. And you didn't really control that. But now we can have real control over how our network grows, which will lead to further opportunities. You can be really deliberate about it. And using something like a book, and or a podcast can be a tool that you use in order to grow that network and it will influence what opportunities come to you later. So I'm a huge advocate of being very deliberate about those things and growing your your network very intentionally with the people who you share values with, who you'd like to do business with, who you'd like to support, all those sorts of things. And so the Dream 100 is really about taking the time to carve out and put together a list of the most important people, individuals, companies, organizations, associations, events, conferences that will help you to grow your network that you want to deepen a relationship with that will lead to more opportunities for your business. That's really what it's about. And so, you know, we do that with every single client that comes in the door. That's the first thing we do is we map out who should be on that list. And then you use something like a book, like a podcast. I've used both in order to establish or deepen relationships with the people who are on that list. You've given us a lot of positive do's. I was going to ask you what the do's and don'ts are, but you've already given us a wonderful list of do's. Are there any mistakes that people make when they do this? You know, some etiquette that they violate without realizing they're (laughs) violating it? The most common ones are, one, actually not not actually doing it. Because, you know, there's only a minority. There's a tiny number of people who start a podcast. And so there's a lot of people who think that it is a hard thing to do. They think they'll do it one day when they have time. Of course, that will never happen. The truth is, if you do it right and if you delegate pieces to another team and you focus your energy and attention on the highest and best use of your time, which is having great conversations with great people, then it actually saves you a tremendous amount of time. People don't realize that because it's a tool for, as I've mentioned, all these different things, business development, referral marketing, strategic partnerships. And so it actually saves you time. And a lot of our clients have, have come to that realization. So that's that's a big mistake that I think people make is not actually doing it sooner. It's just mm-hmm. like me. When the when the pandemic hit, I doubled my number of, of episodes I was doing, which took time, took money out of my own pocket, but it led to great things. So that's a big mistake. Another one is just simply not thinking through who they should be featuring on the show. So they spend 12 hours researching this, what microphone they're going to buy, talking about that or whatever. That is an inconsequential decision. Make a decision and move on. A much bigger decision is how are you going to use this thing? How, who are you going to be working on focusing on building relationships with? And then how are you going to take the relationship further after you've had that podcast interview? How are you going to take it further? How are you going to support one another? Who are you going to introduce one another to? And that is a much more substantial, important decision and much more important focus of your energy than anything else. The other thing I'll say is is this. A lot of people think it's all about the downloads. It's all about the subscribers. It's not. I would continue doing a podcast even if no one was listening. 
because of the tremendous benefits that it's flowed to my life. And also, even if you're just getting started, you downloads and subscribers are simply a, 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 a substitute for social proof, for credibility. And in many cases, there are people that have a substantial career and they have other things that can be a, a standalone that will establish their credibility, that will establish their social proof. And so you just need to find what those things are and use those, leverage those in a way that will get those people that haven't met you before, that are, are on the fence about deciding whether it's worth being a guest on the podcast. You can use those things in order to convince them that it's it, it, it's a good use of their time. You'd be surprised. It's actually it's actually um, more challenging if you do it right. It's more challenging to decide who to interview than to get guests. For most people, it's not yeah. hard to get guests. It's 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 a bigger challenge to decide who you should spend the time on as a guest rather than actually getting people to say yes. Because there's plenty of people out there who will say yes. That, that's an interesting point because I think a lot of people are afraid of saying, oh, I can't get this person. Or there are a lot of PR firms, frankly, who are starting to vet people for the higher name guests and saying how many how many people listen, what your downloads, what your reach, and such like that. And uh, I'm glad that you point out that there are other metrics that can be used. What would you say to uh, someone who really tries to get like a Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, people who have tremendous walls in front of them, um, how would you get them yeah. to be on your show? Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to get someone like that, one, I would ask, is that the best use of your time? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's value in um, getting a few names like that, like people that are that are well-known. And I, I had him on my show years ago. Um, but, you know, there's value in doing that, but mostly as a credibility piece for subsequent guests. You know, I'm still waiting for Gary Vaynerchuk to send me, you know, a referral, right? I mean, it's probably not going <laughs> to happen, right? But I actually did interview his right-hand man, his COO, who helped him to build the business for many years. Now, when I interviewed him, he was much more responsive because no one's reaching out to him, right? So, like, that was actually probably a more valuable relationship for me personally because it led to further conversations and opportunities and things like that. So a lot of times I think, like, going after that big whale of a guest is – you know, it's not it's it's not it's all cut out to be, you know, whereas if you interview someone who's never been a guest on a podcast before, you're making their day, you're making their week. I mean, they're going to share it on LinkedIn. They're going to tell their spouse about it. They're going to tell their friends about it. They're thrilled. That will then generate more referrals, will generate more business, will generate more partnerships, will generate them maybe hiring you in a way that will lead to better results for your business than you would having like some big name or something like that. I talked to a bunch of people who have put all their energy into getting like big name famous types of people as guests on their podcast. And a lot of times the people end up disappointed at the end of a year, you know, they end up interviewing a bunch of people who couldn't give a whiff about being a guest on their show. Cause they've been on 400 other shows, so they don't care and it doesn't lead to any results for their business. And so that those people that do a show like that end up kind of disappointed in it. Whereas for me personally, I mean, some of the best insights, some of the best ideas have come from people that have never been a guest on a podcast before, and they're thrilled to do it. And honestly, that, that that's some of the best content that I've put out there. So I would just think about it in that way. Uh, I, I agree. I interviewed Robbie Baxter, who's an expert in the subscription business space. And she her book is full of interviews with people from like Netflix and all the top companies that do subscriptions. And I asked her the same question about, was she able to get those kinds of interviews? 
And she couldn't get the founders, but she would get the COOs or the people who really ran the business, and they became tremendous referral partners for her, and they were wonderful people. And as you said, they had the true insights into the business and gave really great information and became part of her network. So it worked out great. Great. Well, you've given us a lot of tremendous ideas here and inspiration for reaching out, for starting a podcast, for reaching out and getting really interesting guests and how to leverage that to grow your business. Tell us, who is your perfect client and how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, our ideal client is someone who wants to build life-changing relationships. And usually our clients are, are in the B2B space. So they're a consultant or an agency or a law firm or they're selling something with a high client lifetime value. Um, and they like talking to people and they don't want to have to worry about the tech and all that kind of stuff. And they need a strategy uh, in order to get results, get ROI, get clients, get referrals using the podcast. And, um, you know, if, if that's you, then I'm happy to talk to you. That's, that's my background. I was a lawyer for many years. I'm a recovering lawyer now because I haven't been practicing for many years. And, um, I really enjoy helping others, whether it's through a podcast interview like this and really telling people, inspiring people and, and sharing with them why they should do it. Cause you know, our, our company can only serve a, a tiny minority of the number of people out there who are actually starting podcasts. So I'm actually a huge evangelist for the medium. I tell people all the time, whether you work with us or not, you should do it because it will bring tremendous value to your life if you start a podcast. And, uh, you know, I just hope that I'll inspire more people in, in order to embark on that journey because it, it will absolutely change you in, in, a, in a good way. Fantastic. And how can people get in touch with you? What is your website? Yeah, rise25media.com. John, sorry, rise one more time, slower. <laughs> sorry, rise25media.com, R-I-S-E, 25media.com. I'm on LinkedIn, John Corcoran. You can look me up there, um, or you can email us at john at rise25media.com. Great. And I can't let you go without letting our listeners know that you were actually a speechwriter in the White House, so you have to tell us that story and something about that. <laughs> yeah, so kind of a crazy story. So um, I, I, I kind of joke that I was like a second-tier speechwriter. So I was a, a writer in presidential letters and messages, which is kind of like we wrote all the stuff that the speechwriters didn't want to write. I actually interned in, in the White House uh, speechwriting office while I was in college. It was right before the Lewinsky scandal, for those of you who can remember that back in those days, not, not the young ones. But um, – and uh, the funny thing was I went back to college and the top line of my resume was White House intern. And I thought the world was my oyster. And then in January, after I got back, I'm back at college and, you know, I come home from class one day and they're like, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post and the New York Times all called for you and they wanted to talk to you. Something going on. It turns out the whole Lewinsky scandal thing happened. But um, I ended up going, graduating from college, going back and working at the White House as a writer. And, uh, you know, I... I had uh, I had worked in the interim at, at DreamWorks in, in Hollywood, and I connected with a bunch of people then, and someone contacted me about a friend of theirs that was working on a show that was about politics in Washington, D.C. Of course, that it turns out it ended up being the West Wing. Aaron, Aaron Sorkin was a creator of the show, and I ended up telling him a bit about what my life was like. This is before the show was even on the air. Of course, then it goes and it was on the air. It was a huge hit right from the get-go, and he had all these big people that were advising him. And I wrote the 1999 Thanksgiving proclamation 
um, which is this historic document. It's the reason that we celebrate Thanksgiving. It was written by Washington and Lincoln. They wrote it themselves, and it was me who was writing it in the White House, which was crazy. And um, I, I, they printed on this parchment, like this big document, and I mailed a copy to Aaron Sorkin. Didn't hear anything of it until a year later I go and I turn on the Thanksgiving episode, and I'm watching it, and the whole episode is about the writing of the Thanksgiving proclamation, and the people are running around in, in the White House, the speechwriters talking about the writing of the Thanksgiving proclamation. I'm losing my mind as I'm watching it. <laughs> and at the very end, President Bartlett, you know, played by Martin Sheen, is about to walk out into the Rose Garden to read what he's holding, the, the presidential, the, the, the Thanksgiving proclamation. And it's like, the, you know, you know, if you watch this show, it's like this, you know, big culmination. And he looks down and he reads the first line from the document. And when he reads it, it's the exact same first line of the document that I had written. And the cool thing about it is that the speechwriters who were running around who were writing the actual docu- document was Rob Lowe. So some people have said that I'm a maybe a partial inspiration for Rob Lowe's character, at least as far as that episode was concerned. So it, it was cool. But the, the message behind it, I don't tell that message, I don't tell that story, and I didn't tell it for many years, but the reason I tell it now is because you know, I could have gotten in trouble for that. I could have, you know, um, ruffled some feathers. But look at the amazing piece of, of art that was created. That that show has delighted so many people. And I love that it contributed and created an amazing work of art in many ways. Um, and so it was worth it for that. Because it was just about giving of my time, tell, sharing a little bit about what my day was like, sharing a little bit of what my life was like even at a little bit of a personal risk to myself. And so I'm really grateful that I did it. And I tell everyone that you should do that. You should think that selflessly, selfishly, selflessly. <laughs> and if you do, good things will come from it. Well, it just goes to show you never know what people have done and who they know and where things can lead. And you've certainly given us lots of things to think about today. So thank you very much for being with us today, John. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.